I'd like to show you why knowing your why is the start of your journey. Without a strong why, it can be so difficult to reach your maximum potential. My name is Dr. Jason Ballara, and every week I meet with real estate investors and mindset specialists that are taking action in order to build a life according to their own terms. We will break down what drives successful people and allows them to achieve at such a high level. If you are a professional wanting to break through, or simply someone that wants to hear an inspiring story, the Know Your Why podcast is made for you. Hi everyone, I'm Jason Ballara and this is the Know Your Why podcast. Today I'm excited to be here with Jerome Myers. Uh, Jerome is a developer, he's a founder and chief inspiration officer of two ventures. Uh, he's a dream, he is, has Dreamcatchers as a boutique coaching firm and it supports first and second generation wealth creators. Um, Jerome, first of all, thanks for for having you for being on the show with me today. I really appreciate it. Jason, grateful for the opportunity to share with you and your community today. Love it. And so, I would love it. This your bio is is very extensive and and uh, interesting. But I really would rather hear it from your mouth and, and let you tell us your story. Yeah, man. So my last job in corporate America was building a. $20 million division for a Fortune 550. I was employee number two in that group on January 13th. And by the end of September, we had 175 people working on this big, hairy, audacious goal. And by the end of the year, we hit that $20 million mark, made about 30% profit margin. And I got a phone call on December 24th at 4.55. And it went something like this. Hey, Jerome. You and I have been battling, you know, we've been going back and forth negotiating for the past few weeks. And I just want to let you know I've made a decision. Pause. We're going to lay about half of them off. And I said, no, no, that's not the right answer. We, we need to figure out another place to put these folks. And he said, no, we're going to lay them off. This really isn't a discussion. I'm informing you of a decision. And I tried to do what I could for the next few minutes. And then he said, look, man, it's 4.59 on Christmas Eve. I'm going to go spend the rest of the year with my family. And I'll talk to you next year. And then the three beeps that if you've ever had a call drop, if you have an iPhone, that boop, boop, boop. Uh, that's what I heard. And I stared at my phone wondering if the call dropped. But I realized he hung up on me. And so I went to work. I wanted to make it as as objective as possible. I know a lot of those decisions can be subjective, but I wanted to make it as objective as possible. So I started looking at efficiency and performance and just saying, who can we keep? Who can we make sure that we have a place for them? Because I, I didn't want to lay people off. It was my first time actually being in that position. And we put a plan together, put Humpty Dumpty back together again, and off to the races for another $20 million a year. And my promise to myself at that point was, hey, they're making me do it. I am not gonna ever do anything like this again. And so the following year, I'm standing up in front of the group a couple of days before Thanksgiving and I said, hey, be really careful with how you spend your money when you get paid this week. I don't want you to go spend it all on Black Friday. I'm not sure what might happen. And it was in that moment that my stomach sank because I began to question what I was doing. Before I told them, told myself, hey, they made me do this. 
now I'm doing this of my own volition and I was taking responsibility for it. And it was there that I realized, hey, we have a choice in every situation. We don't have to participate or do anything. It's our choice to do so. And so I decided that I was going to leave corporate America. And so not shortly thereafter, I guess I stayed till the end of the year, I dropped out and pursued real estate full time, which was a dream that I had on the shelf from sophomore year in college. And so as a sophomore engineering student, I realized that I didn't really want a job. I realized that there was this concept of passive income. And what I noticed was that the guy who owned our complex was doing about $700,000 a year in top line revenue, but we never saw him or talked to him. And so I was like, well, how do you do that? See, I'm the son of a soldier and a stay-at-home mom, so we didn't have people with multi-million dollar real estate portfolios coming to hang out at the house or to do the barbecue or any of that stuff. And so I was totally disconnected from that group of people who were doing these types of deals. And when I left corporate America, I realized that I'd done nothing from the time that I was in college to the time that I left to change that. And the banks made it very clear that that was a necessary step in my journey. So when I went to the first bank and said, hey, don't you want to give me a million dollars to buy this 23-unit apartment building? They all told me no. And, well, the first one told me no. I went to the second and the third. And then eventually I ended up in a space where I realized that nobody was going to lend me money. In fact, I went to 10 banks, and they all told me the same thing. So I pivoted and did what everybody else does. I started fixing and flipping. And I'm sitting on the stoop of a $90,000 rehab, and a guy pulls up in a white Dodge Ram pickup, and he says, hey, bud, I'd like to check out your finishes. We're going to do a project down the street, and I want to make sure that we're going to put finishes in similar to what's going to market. So he walks in. He's like, ooh, you tucked the wall out, and look at that gooseneck sink in the island, and this granite is certainly not level one. This must be an upgraded situation here we go upstairs he's like man this tile in the bathroom is really nice and he's coming back downstairs he's getting ready to walk out the front door he stops on the threshold and he says do you know anything about that building behind the chimbo mart he said the chimbo mart the apartment building the 23 unit he said yeah i was like man absolutely i tried to buy that four or five months ago he said well i'm gonna make an offer on it this afternoon i said really I'd love to be a part of the deal. He said, what are you going to bring to the table? I said, I, I don't know. We'll figure that out. But I, 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 you're the guy I've been looking for. The bank said I need an experienced partner. Love to do this deal with you. He said, well, what are you going to bring to the table? I said, man, look, we'll figure it out. Just don't leave me out of the deal. And he looked down, shook his head, and furrowed his eyebrows. And then he said, what are you going to bring to the table? I said, look, man, I, I don't know what you need, but we'll figure it out. Just don't leave me out the deal. And finally, he was frustrated with the negotiation and my lack of commitment. So he walked out the door, walked through the grass, hopped in his truck, drove off. And, you know, in, in my mind, I'm like, man, I just sealed the deal. I got this guy who's going to be my partner. And it's a Wednesday. And I'm like, okay, so he submits the offer today. Tomorrow, Friday, I'll get a call and he'll say, hey, we're going to get this thing done. Well, Friday came and went, nothing happened. I was like, oh, man, well, maybe they needed to negotiate through the weekend. Monday rolled around, still nothing. Tuesday, Wednesday, I'm thinking to myself, what's going on? And then 
I realize I never got his phone number. He didn't have mine. It's like, oh, man. Well, maybe that's just it. Maybe he just didn't get in contact with me yet. He didn't know how to. Maybe he'll drive by. So if I just stay at the flip house a little bit longer, maybe he'll pop up. Next weekend comes and goes, still nothing. Then I get a phone call from a guy on the following Tuesday, and he says, hey, man, I got the opportunity to be a GC on this project, the one that you and I were talking about five, six months ago. And I told them I was only comfortable doing it if you were a part of the deal. And I paused, and I was like, man, okay, so when are we meeting? And we ended up doing that deal. And I, the funny part was my name was in the paper. So the lenders who weren't willing to lend with to me six months ago, 12 months ago, they were reaching out wanting to talk about my portfolio and my refinance plans and what I had in the pipeline. And it was a really interesting turn of events. So we cultivated a relationship with those folks. And I left Richmond, Virginia, came down to Greensboro, North Carolina, started buying here. And the deeper I got into the real estate space, the more I realized that there was something in corporate America that I missed. And that was the ability to, an opportunity, not the ability, but the opportunity to develop and coach people who were growing in their careers. It was very much being the lone wolf, just executing and operating multifamily real estate deals. But what was that piece that was missing in the human interaction, helping people grow? And so in the bio, you said, I'm a developer. I am. I'm a developer of people and places. And so I'll pause there because I feel like I've been rambling for a while. No, no, I love it. <laughs> that's this the great, I love, that's my favorite part about the, doing the podcast is just hearing the stories and, you know, kind of how people got started. And I think, I mean, there's a, a lot of cool, you know, sort of takeaways there. And one is just that you, you know, you realize corporate America wasn't for you and made that switch and so you said you were sort of interested in real estate since as a sophomore like how did how did that happen how did you become interested in real estate what what was the kind of inspiration behind that yeah so shortly before that conversation with my buddy Duran on the stoop about the guy making seven hundred thousand dollars a year I had a summer job and I was working in a fitness center and it it was a Sunday. I worked from one to I was supposed to work from one to five. And at four thirty, I'd been there and I hadn't seen anybody the entire time that I was there. So I closed up shop, went back to my dorm room, and about five minutes later, my supervisor came knocking on the door and he said, Hey, why aren't you in the fitness center? People are trying to use it. And I said, man, they can't get a workout done in 10 or 15 minutes. Like, there was no reason for me to stay there. Nobody was going to actually be able to get any real work done. He said, well, I don't pay you to think. I pay you for your time. And next time you leave before the hours of operation are over, you won't have a job anymore. And I made a decision at that point, Jason, that I didn't want to sell my time for money. I wanted to figure out how to decouple my time for money and be able to earn while I'm not actually in a physical place. And so the, there's only a few ways that I think you can get that done. But the one thing that is consistent is a subscription model. And so there's, you know, people pay for Netflix, they pay for their phone bill. 
people pay rent at apartment buildings. And so for me, I wanted to do something that was kind of higher ticket, but because there was more opportunity for profit in those types of products. And I wanted something that was, I guess, recession resistant. Right. And so for me, the real estate was something that made a ton of sense and it checked both of those boxes. Yeah. And I think a lot of people have that sort of something, right? Something happened, whether it's with a job or your, your family experience or something where you're, you know, you're just struck by, I don't want, I don't want this lifestyle of, of trading time for money where I have to punch a clock. Like, it's not that it's not necessarily that people don't want to work. They just don't want to work at the, at the whim of someone else, basically is kind of what it comes down to. So um, yeah, I, I like knowing kind of where, where people, what that moment was in life that sort of set them off on that path. Uh, when you were at the flip, so this guy just, he, he showed up randomly. You didn't know him before that. He just kind of came by and wanted to see your finishes. And then, he said he asked you, you know, what you can bring to the table. And I think that that's actually a good topic to touch on because I, you know, a lot of aspiring investors, you hear a lot about, you know, partnering with people that are more experienced in all of this. And it's like, it's, it's hard to know how to do that. And so that guy is asking you what, you know, what value can you bring to the table? And you didn't know. And it's kind of like, do you have any advice on that? Like, if you could go back in time, it, it, as it turned out, you were lucky enough to be a part of that deal. But I, I think that's a thing that, and I've struggled with it. It's like I see, I see these people that are, you know, far along in their real estate investing journey, and I'm like, oh, I'd really love to do deals with them. But then you reach this sort of roadblock in your mind of like, well, why would they do a deal with me? I don't. I'm sure I can help them, but I don't know how. Like, how do you advise people? address that particular problem yeah and it's really interesting because now i end up on the other side of that conversation a lot and i tell that piece of the story intentionally because i think people need to be very clear about the value proposition that they have what are you really good at and that takes some inner work for me i had a ton of credentials but I kind of balled them up and threw them in the trash when the banks told me that they were not reasons why they would be willing to give me a loan. I was a licensed engineer. At that point, I had my contractor's license. I had a project management professional certification. I had a graduate degree in business. Like I had all of these credentials, and I was able to apply them against whatever the problems that came up in the project. So... I didn't say that. And then the other thing is I had access to some cash. I, I had some liquidity. And I didn't say any of those things, but they were all something that ended up being valuable as we went on this journey to execute these deals. My counsel to people is if you want to be valuable to somebody who is an experienced investor, Make the investment in the knowledge so that you can evaluate leads and identify a deal. Once you have that deal, you can go take that to an experienced investor, and one or two things will happen. They'll buy it from you, so you get a transaction fee, or they'll partner with you on the deal. 
the partnering is probably worth more long term, but it's going to probably pay you less money than if you sell it outright. And so if you can have the knowledge, evaluate leads, and then bring the deal, your value jumps up tremendously. And I, that is, I think, the biggest difference maker. Uh, I think every investor is trying to overcome four things, knowledge, deal flow, experience, and capital. And what I found is the majority of experienced folks really don't enjoy the hunt of finding new deals. And so when new deals show up for them, they are really interested in taking advantage of them because they know it's difficult and hard work to find those. Yeah, no, that's great advice. I think, uh, you know, every, everybody in the space sort of knows that the deals are hard to find, that that's a, that's a challenging aspect of it. And so I think a lot of people, as they get more experience, they'll, they'll hire an acquisitions person on their team. And so they're not even doing that anymore. They're just kind of, you know, overseeing yes, that that's something we want to go after. So yeah, I think that's a great, great piece of advice as far as getting started. But I think also just, as you said, sort of knowing what your own value is, like realizing, because obviously you did have a lot to offer, but in that moment when he's asking you the question, you didn't know the answer. So I think it's a good take home as far as people, when they want to have these conversations with someone like you, knowing hey this is this is these are my strengths this is what i'm good at like oh i'm really good at at, at marketing i'm really good at you know I, i've got a a network of high net worth individuals whatever it is something along those lines where you can bring in value it and and figuring that out ahead of time before approaching the more experienced person i think is a, is a great idea so um that's perfect tell me tell me a little bit about dream catchers yeah, so, you know, the real estate was working, it was happening, and I was like, man, it's lonely out here. I only get to talk to people when there's something going on with the deal because everybody else has a job. And I was like, man, the one thing that I probably regretted most on my career trajectory was leaving coaching behind. And so as a consultant, I was flying back into Richmond on a Friday night in the fall, and I was on my way back from Salt Lake City. We get over the local high school, the lights are on, you can see the players on the field, you can see the stands are full, and then a guy breaks through the line and he's off, running down the sideline, sprinting towards a touchdown. And I'm watching all this unfold as I'm on the airplane and realizing that I gave up the role where I felt like I had the most impact on people's lives to make extra six or $700 a month after taxes. And that was really disheartening because that amount of money didn't make a difference in my life one way or the other, but not having the impact did. After I got out of that role and I was local more frequently, what I realized was man, I could go back to this, but it's going to be really difficult. And we were making a lot of new leaders. When you go from two people to 175 people, you need leaders within the organization to manage all of the staff. And the majority of people who got promoted into those roles had no leadership and development prior to being in those situations. And so we developed a full leadership development program 
so that people could get the tools and tactics that they needed in order to be successful in the role so that we could maintain the top talent at the organization. When I left that role behind, I lost the opportunity to continue to do that. And it was probably one of my most favorite activities out of everything that I did in a given week. And so I was like, man, well, I wonder if I can start coaching people and helping them grow their businesses, helping them from a leadership development standpoint and really kind of found my stride in that. And we've been working pretty aggressively to help people specifically in financial services. And that includes real estate investors, even though a lot of folks want to say that they're outside of the realm of financial services. If you're placing capital in investments, you're in financial services. So we spent a bunch of time helping people scale their businesses and figure out because scale is tied to the leader, right? We all have these lids and the organization is never going to outgrow the leader. And so how can I help you get to that next level? And, you know, the framework for dream catchers is really centered around this thing we call the red pill. It's the six level framework for that we call a model for a centered life. And so the six levels of the red pill are self-image, relationship, and work. Those three areas are where all your stress is created. And then there's health, prosperity, and significance. And so the first five levels, self-image, relationship, work, health, and prosperity, we call that self-actualization. That's when you're ascending up Maslow's hierarchy of needs and then Level six is where you get into transcendence. It's the significance play. It's where you become immortal because you positively impacted the lives of others. And we want people to fully help. We want to help people fully self-actualize and then transcend and move to that next space so that they have a true legacy. That's really cool. So it's, it's a coaching program, not specifically coaching people how to purchase real estate. You're more coaching on personal development sort of and business growth within financial services is am i understanding that correctly yeah so i mean within the framework the real estate would fit in level six which is or level five which is prosperity what what i found jason i started out that way it's like oh man come in come hither and we'll teach you how to buy a multifamily deal using the myers methods our four-step framework for finding, funding, fixing and and flipping a deal. And I was like, man, people are showing up and the four layers beneath are not together. And so when we add the pressure of a multi-million dollar or, you know, multi-hundred thousand dollar investment, it's crushing the foundation because the foundation isn't solid. So I had to go do the work while we're in the middle of trying to find a deal to get them prepared to actually handle that new stress. Because for a lot of people, the biggest investment they ever make is in their home. So to go out and add that type of stress and worry into their world without them having a great foundation was just catastrophic. And so I took a step back and said, hey, I'm interested in the whole person. I don't just wanna teach you this one hack. Everything that we try to do in, within our, our different organizations is comprehensive because I, I've just struggled, man. 
coming out in entrepreneurship, what I learned was a lot of the consultants, a lot of the coaches, the gurus, they niche down. They've got a great marketing message. It cuts through all the clutter. But when you don't know what you don't know as a consumer, you buy an incomplete solution. And that may have been the last dollars that you had to allocate. And then you realize that another piece of the puzzle is missing. And they knew all along that that piece of the puzzle was missing and that you needed it, but they sold you their thing because they figured you would figure out what to do on the backside of buying that solution for them. And so we want to help people get what they need from the beginning and not feel like the last piece of their jigsaw puzzle is missing when they get done. Yeah, I, I love that. I mean, I think it's so many, you know, so many of us come from a background of, of not, not of wealth. Right. And so w when you don't grow up knowing what, you know, how to handle money and things like that, and then you want to make the switch into real estate where you're having now suddenly you're adding zeros to anything you've ever thought about before. Uh, you know, as you mentioned, most of us, our house is the biggest investment we've ever had. And, and a lot of people haven't owned a house. So it's kind of like, okay, now you're going to go from this, you know, it, and I don't want to say thinking small, but it's just a totally different mindset to be talking about things that are, you know, a million, 10 million, $50 million and, and not having like a pit in your stomach when you <laughs> when you think about the prospect of like taking on something like that and what you know and, and uh being the steward for other people's capital and all of that i mean i think for sure that's a great idea to have you know work work on people their whole self because otherwise yeah it, it can be it is going to be overwhelming at times it is going to be stressful at times and it, it is going to be hard so you have to kind of have the rest of you, your foundation in a good place. I think, I mean, I think it's a phenomenal concept and, and not something that a lot of people are really coaching. No, I think most people, especially if they're a, a coach, and I use that term very loosely because I think there's a ton of snake oil being sold. And I think there's a ton of people who don't get any results, but they've got great marketing. And it was one of the things I struggled with the most when I first got into the space because I was spending so much time on on the widget. I'm fixing the widget. I'm an engineer by training, right? I want to make sure the answer is right. And I wasn't, I didn't care about sales and marketing. And then I realized how many folks were going and getting the thing that was wrapped up with a pretty bow and then being frustrated because they didn't get the outcome that they desired most. And so we wanted to double down on that and just really make sure that when people came to us, they left in a much better condition than they were in. And I don't know of many folks who actually operate a portfolio and spend time helping them do all the mindset and marketing stuff that is necessary in order to be successful in the space. Yeah, no, I, I think that's true. Um, so tell me about your, your real estate portfolio now. Where, where are you at? Where are you headed? Kind of what's, what's your plan? Yeah, so we've got, you know, a little under uh, 100 doors in total spread across five properties. Uh, one property in Richmond, Virginia, and then the rest are here in Greensboro, North Carolina, in the middle of a decent-sized development. 
early stages. You know, we're doing about 120 units here. And, you know, the goal is to be one of the largest housing providers in Greensboro. We really like this market. It's been growing. Well, the rent growth has been growing pretty aggressively. Population growth is really steady. And so we believe that's a magic mixture for great solid performance of assets over the long term. And you are, so you live there in Greensboro. What, are you self-managing or you have uh, hired a third party, third party management? Yeah. Third we always do third party property management. At some point yeah. we will probably vertically, vertically integrate, but for us, the point of doing the real estate is to have somebody else manage the day to day and actually be a business owner. If you think about Robert Kiyosaki's cash flow quadrants, you know, you got the employees, self-employed, the business owner and the investor. I see a lot of folks running from the E quadrant, which is an employee to the investor quadrant. I got to invest. I got to invest, but cash put into investments is going to earn a much lower return than it would if it was invested in a business. There's just fewer leverage to pull. So what we encourage folks to do is figure out how you can become a business owner so that you can create equity. And from that created equity, I believe that you can take that and then push that into investments so that you get, you get that bump in a much quicker pace or a shorter timeline. Yeah. Yeah. No, I think, uh, well, I when Robert Kiyosaki was on the Bigger Pockets podcast, their I think their 500th episode, he said something on there that really resonated with me, and it's kind of exactly along the lines of what you just said. Is that he has he has businesses so he can put the money into investments, right? So it's like you you create these businesses, whatever they might be, and then you take that cash flow that that revenue generated, and then put it into that investment space and then so you're essentially your money's almost being recycled and like your money's making you money at a much higher pace and so i think what you said is is exactly true and it's like i it's how i feel about my my money that i make from from my job like at this point it's like i just want to take it and put it into investments so that at at, at some point in the near future then it's that that can sort of take over my, you know, income source with, with passive income. Um, so Jerome, let's, let's switch gears a little bit. And I'd like to move to the section where I ask you the questions that I ask all the guests. Um, and the first one is based on the name of the show being know your why, what is your why? What drives you? Freedom, 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 freedom. I let freedom ring. I, I think a lot of people are, in bondage, I think they're trapped in the matrix and they feel like they don't have a choice to do the things that they should be doing, the thing that's deep down in their heart. And it's just been beaten up and so they repress it. And, you know, I'm on this mission to help other people understand that they, that doesn't have to be your existence. Like there are alternatives and you don't have to submit to the American dream or other frameworks that may be out there that you're, you've been programmed to believe are true that are not. 
it's, I think, and, and I was one of those people that was sort of in that, in the, as you say, in the matrix of this is, this is what I'm supposed to do. I keep working, you know, you work until you retire. Uh, my, my retirement plan for a lot of years was to not retire. Like, well, I just, I just like working. I'll keep doing that. And then come along my kids and I'm like, wait a second, this is, I, I, I want time to be with them when I want to be with them. And so, you know, I think all of us that have gotten into real estate have at some point that epiphany. And I think you're right. Freedom. It's a, it's a very, it's to me, it's a word that can be very vague, but also very specific. Right. So, so, so if you, it, to stick with the analogy, if you're still in the matrix, then freedom is this thing that you can't maybe imagine, right? You're like, I, you know, what do you mean by freedom? And, and you, you could even, maybe you can offer your definition of that, but the, once you get, you know, sort of to the point where you realize, hey, wait a minute, I, it doesn't have to be that way and I can achieve my freedom, I think it, it's a it's a big you know sort of epiphany moment, and so how do you define freedom for for maybe for yourself, or or do you have a general definition that you would apply to anyone? Yeah, I think freedom is being able to do what you want with who you want when you want. Yeah, yeah, it is it is really that simple. I mean, I think it's you know people make it <laughs> a bigger thing. You know, freedom doesn't have to mean that you're sitting on piles of money. Freedom doesn't have to mean that you have, you know, this giant mansion. It just means it's it's about time, you know, the, our most precious resource. Yeah, and, you know, it comes down to the choice, right? Money is a tool. It, it buys you choices. If you have a problem that can be solved with money and you have money, you don't have a problem. There are certain things yeah. that money can't fix for us, right? A loved one being sick. And, you know, they have access to all the doctors, but you just can't buy more life. I think that a lot of us mis misprioritize things. Money is not your most precious resource. Your time is. You can't replenish time. And you're always one day, one second, one minute closer to the end of your time on this planet. And... There is no way to set that back or change that that clock. It, it's a timer. It's not a stopwatch. <laughs> that's yes, that's perfect. That's a that's a great analogy. It's it's a timer and not a stopwatch. I, I think you, you're you're a hundred percent correct. I mean, it's just money's the tool. Money's the tool that can free you up, and you don't you don't have to have an infinite amount of it. You just have to sort of build your lifestyle in the way, in such a way that, you know, you've, you've created freedom on both sides. So uh, I think it's, it's fantastic. Um, second question, Jerome is tell us something about yourself that maybe isn't common knowledge, special skill, a hobby, anything uh, that you'd like to share. Yeah. I think one of the things that is probably peculiar is I like to go spelunking, man. If I'm out of the country, I, I want to go into a cave and see what we can find. And it's always guided. It's not like I just run into random places by myself. But <laughs> I do, I really do enjoy going into the core of the earth and seeing 
what I can find. And usually I find something within myself when I go into those really dark spaces. You know, when they turn off the lights and there is no natural light in a space, there is just the absence of everything, including sound. And when you find that, you really can get in tune with who you are and what you're doing and you know if you're on a mission or not. I think a lot of us kind of drown that out with the noise of TV or the noise of the radio. Uh, that silence is where you really can hear what's going on in your heart. Yeah, that's great. I, I've never been, but it, it sounds... <laughs> With that description, it actually sounds very interesting. <laughs> we have to check it out sometime. I'll I'll uh, hit you up for some some good places to go. But um, that's cool. I've never been, and I, I'm definitely the first person who's ever answered that with spelunking. Spelunking. So uh, <laughs> that's great. Um, next question is how how can people reach out to you if if uh, once they hear this conversation they want to connect? What's the best way? And we'll put everything in the show notes too. For sure. I think the best place to go is JeromeMyers.co. There we've got a ton of different free resources. And so folks can just jump on and grab some of these guys that we share with folks. Cause you know, part of our mission is just to have an impact, whether somebody we, I guess the best way to say it is I want somebody's life to be better as a result of our encounter, whether we ever do a business transaction or not. Awesome. Awesome. Final question. What piece of advice would you give to someone who is, uh, you know, a little bit behind where you are in your journey, they're maybe getting started. What would you tell them to kind of inspire them and, and move forward? Great question. Great question, Jason. Your dreams should be real. Your dreams should be real. And if nobody's told you that, you're now responsible for that because deep down in your heart, you know that that's a true statement. You know that's true. And so forget all the people who told you to be practical. Forget all the people who have tried to beat you into submission to being mediocre and go live the life of your wildest dreams. If you need support, there's plenty of folks out there that are ready to stand in the gap and help you make that transition from where you are to where you want to go. But just know, you have to know, you can't think, you have to know that your dreams should be real. It's fantastic. I think many people, we, we, you know, when you're a child, you, you have a lot of dreams, right? You're like, like my, my son right now is like, he keeps telling me his name is Cowboy. He's three years old. He's like, my name is Cowboy. I'm like, okay, Cowboy. And I, I don't I never want to tell them like I never want to impede those dreams I don't I don't care whether I, I want them to have that because I know later on in life people are gonna like things are gonna sort of suppress your dreams and that that's I, I really love that you said that because I I don't think I even thought about it before but like that's one of my biggest goals as a parent is to not squish their dreams Right. I, I just don't want to. I think sometimes being a dreamer is looked upon as like a negative thing. And I, I don't think it is. I think it, you you need to be a dreamer and an executor or you need to be a dreamer who can partner up with an executor. But it's it just, yeah, your dream should be real. I, I really that, that's a great 
way to put it and I, I love that and I that's a perfect ending for the podcast I think <laughs> your dream should be real is is fantastic so uh thank you Jerome that was that was awesome I, I love that conversation and I, I think uh I really love the you know your your mission of, of helping people as a whole and not just you know sort of coaching them as this is how you acquire a department complex or, you know, whatever it is that, you know, which is, which is what a lot of coaching is. And it's, it's not that that's necessarily a bad thing. And those are things that people can use to know, use help in learning, but, but you also have to, you know, sort of work on your whole self. So it's perfect. Um, thank you so much. Thank you for coming on the show. Thank you for sharing your story. Grateful for the opportunity. Absolutely. All right. Well, with that, we will sign off. Have a great day, everyone. I'd like to show you why knowing your why is the start of your journey. Without a strong why, it can be so difficult to reach your maximum potential. My name is Dr. Jason Ballara, and every week I meet with real estate investors and mindset specialists that are taking action in order to build a life according to their own terms. We will break down what drives successful people and allows them to achieve at such a high level. If you are a professional wanting to break through, or simply someone that wants to hear an inspiring story, the Know Your Why podcast is made for you.